0: Hey Hockey Moms, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. And now a word from tonight's sponsor. Official sponsor of the Blue Line Hockey Club is 2-4 Hockey. 2-4 Hockey is the leading company in the apparel industry in the hockey world. 2 hockeyus 2 hockeyca We're offering a promotion code to our listeners right now, 11BLHC15OFF. That'll get you 15% off your next order at 2-4 Hockey. That's 11BLHC15OFF. So get on their site and check it out. T-shirts, hats, hoodies, uh, all kinds of custom gear. If you need something for men's league or your youth league, uh, that's a place to go. Uh, we're a big promoter of 2-4 Hockey, and uh, we've got all their gear at Blue Line Hockey Club. One more time, 11BLHC15OFF. Use that code to get 15% off your next purchase at 24hockey.us and 24hockey.ca in Canada. One of the leading apparel companies out there. Check them out. 2-4 Hockey, wear the culture. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. Episode 37 tonight, we have the usual suspects with us in the house. Patrick, Uncle Lardy, Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? What's up, boys? And our local nerd on staff, Robbie Peters.
1: Hey, how's your mom and them?
0: And the sports guru slash researcher for us, Derek D-Train, he too. Sweetos! And your host tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Meow. Oh,
1: meow. Doctor.
0: And we got a very special guest with us tonight, Dougie Smith, the
2: Enforcer. What's up, Doug? The Law. Hi, boys. How you doing? Good. Hey, Good man. Uh,
3: Thanks for coming on. Well, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to hang out with you guys for a little bit and
0: chat some hockey. Ah, yeah, for yeah, sure. I did not really. I you know did a little research after we picked you up and uh, we got you locked in for an interview and. I don't think I've ever really come across a real life enforcer like yourself. I mean, it's short of like my childhood days of watching Slapshot, you know, or like the last scene in Youngblood or something. But, you know, this is a a real life enforcer story that, um, you know, is kind of remarkable. Like, when did you start playing hockey, Doug? You know, I didn't actually
3: play my first organized game of hockey until I was 21. I put my skates on at 19, so obviously I had already graduated high school, and uh, and it just kind of was by accident, to be honest with you. It was just something I wanted to do with my buddies who all skated. They all played high school hockey, but they skated in the winter, you know, during the uh, you know when the ponds and the lakes would freeze over. They played pickup hockey, and I just it was something I never had done. So, uh, you know, I just finally said, I just want to learn how to skate, and that's kind of how it happened.
0: <laughs> Is this in uh, Hanover, Mass? Is that where you're from? Yeah. I grew up in a small town called Hanover,
3: just south of Boston. And like I said, you know, down there, they, they obviously had hockey, you know, high school and, you know, <laughs> peewees and all that, but it was just something I never got into. I, my father was actually an amateur boxer when he was a kid growing up. So he kind of got me into amateur boxing.
2: So are you considered a Southie? Uh, no, that's uh,
3: Southie is called uh, south of Boston, uh, a
2: suburb area, so to speak. They,
3: uh, you know, if you're from salty, you just say you're from Southie. I'm more of a, a South Shore area, kid. That's a little, uh, probably like a half an hour's distance away.
2: So you so didn't work it, for Whitey Vulture? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, listen, I, I thought it was amazing. Uh, who, who the frig has ever heard of somebody just picking up the game of hockey on a whim? let alone, you know, ah, no big deal, I'm just going to start playing, and then not only am I just going to start playing, but I'm going to fight,
4: you know, and,
1: and fight everybody. So it's hard enough to learn how to skate, but to fucking fight and try and stand on your feet is a pretty big challenge. How the, you know, tell me a little bit about that for you, Doug. You must have loved it.
3: Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, obviously, it's not something you pick up and do. I mean, I was pretty fortunate. I mean, I was athletic as a kid growing up. You know, I, I just played uh, basic sports, but, um, you know, I definitely had the fighting background and uh, learning learning to skate at 19 and just for fun to be with my buddies, like I said, was the goal and, uh, and, and keeping my balance and not falling down and being able to keep up with everybody. But then I kind of, I picked it up pretty quick and I, I, I kind of liked playing a little bit. And then, you know, my friends had all said, you know, Doug, you get that the fighting background if you could learn to be a better skater a better player you know maybe you could go somewhere with it but obviously it was just bullshit talk you know you know who the hell is going to play where am i going to play it 19 20 21 years old besides like beer leagues um but i just kind of in the back of my head said you know i'm going to just kind of work at this it was something i wanted to try to get better at so i just kept working at it
0: so once you got into the uh, eastern hockey league and stuff like that were you getting a regular shift or were you just getting put out to fight yeah, when I when I first
3: got uh tryout in the East Coast Hockey League, it was with the Winston Salem Thunderbirds and uh and it was just a fight. I mean there was just no two ways about it. And minor league hockey, even in the NHL back in the eighties and nineties, you know, somewhat, uh, you could afford to waste a positional player uh spot, lost a spot with a fighter, a tough guy, because every team had one. Yeah. And so especially in the minor leagues, you know, you could be like me. You could be you know, uh, a high school level skater or playing pro hockey just enough to get by. But if you had a set of balls and you're willing to fight, the other team's tough guy, you could find a job.
1: Yeah and, yeah, and that's
3: kind of that's that's how it felt for me. You know, that was my level of skating. I was probably a high school level skater, but I just, you know, I wasn't afraid to fight because I had something i had been doing since I was a kid. And like I said before, for me, the biggest thing for me was balance. I just didn't want to get You know, you square off with someone. You want to make a good show and you want to land some shots. I always felt if I could land a few punches, I could do pretty good. And I always knew I could take a punch. But uh, I didn't want to get jerked off my skate and fall down and make an ass out of myself. So that was my biggest (laughs) challenge, you know, was keeping my balance.
1: Well, I mean, I watched a few videos to do a little research on you. And, you know, to be honest, you couldn't tell that you picked it up so late. I mean, I've seen people that have skated for a while and they, they didn't look as graceful as you did. Especially, Brad,
4: you, Brad, you told us that you thought you could kick his ass after you watched that. stuff. So. Well, what
1: I said was I would definitely fight you, but.
2: <laughs> right.
3: Well, listen, I, 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 laugh, I laugh too. You're 100% right. But you know what's funny is that's how I got a lot of fights because guys would say, look at this bozo skating warmups. He can hardly even stand up. I'll fight him in a second. And uh, and I, I, I never ran out of opponents. No one was afraid to fight me just by my skating ability. And and I would be the same way. If I saw some shitbag on his ankles during warm-ups, I'd say the same thing. I'm definitely going after that guy. And uh, But I could punch a little bit. And like I said, I could definitely take a punch. So I could kind of survive in a lot of the fights. I didn't win them all. I, I didn't even come close to winning them all. But I shouldn't have won half of them anyway because, you know, these guys had been fighting for a long time. And I was just brand new at it.
1: For me, Go it's ahead. just impressive. <laughs> You know cuz uh, most of us started skating real young and it took us a long time to feel comfortable on skates. For me, as soon as I saw that you picked up you you started skating at 19 and you were in a fucking pro league by 24. I mean, 5-year turnaround, you were driven. And, you know, even to have a job for fighting, it, it's impressive shit. We're we're old enough, we're we're probably just in the middle of we we just ended the era of having the fighter to when they turned into this, you know, clean kind of pansy hockey. No fights, um, no fights. But, um, you know, I, I, I met the Hanson brothers. Uh, I, I love the shit. So, you know, I'm, I was happy to have you on and, and hear your story. I thought it's impressive.
3: Well, Patrick. I appreciate it. You know, like I said, I mean, I, you're right. I did work hard at it. And, uh, And I, you know, I just take it with a grain of salt. I'm kind of humble about the whole thing. I'm pretty fortunate what I had, you know, obviously it just completely snowballed into a book and a movie and all that bullshit. And I'm sure we can yap about that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it it hasn't been once it's been a hundred times I've had, you know, legit people in the NHL, GMs, coaches, you know, they've said to me, Smitty, I, I, you know, your story is just that unbelievable. You know, yep. it's, it's never been done. It's crazy. Yeah. And I and I don't even I don't even look at that way. I just say, Jesus, you know, I just I just broke my balls doing something for two or three years and it panned out. I mean, I don't know. I guess i am like I'm that lucky?
1: <laughs> well, some of it's right place, right time. But you know, oh, no, we, no, no, some no. of us skated for twenty years and fucking never got a professional look at all.
3: Well, because you guys had no balls like I did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, Smitty, I mean, you, you were a Golden Glove boxer, right? You won a championship somewhere. So, you know, obviously you worked hard at it. And, yeah. you know, some of the research I saw, you've been, a, you know, a boxer. Or your dad was a boxer. And you were in a gym all the time, hitting a bag. So uh, you definitely worked hard at it. But for the listeners, Smitty, just uh, paint us a picture of, you know, the East Coast Hockey League back in the uh, late 80s. Um, you know, beer was like a dollar, fifty cents, nickel, uh, nickel, yeah. So, what yeah, was, was it like? Say, you know, it was was, people chugging
3: beer. The, yeah, it was a nickel. The broads were a dollar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what our listeners want to hear. Paint the picture. <laughs>
3: there you go. Well, you know what? I mean, it, it was simple. It was just like the movie Slap Shot, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, the East Coast League in the '80s was five teams and you played a 40- or 60-game schedule. So you saw every team.
4: Ah, like, oh, uh, you hated the five. fuck out of everybody.
3: Dude, like after like two visits, you just wanted to fucking light that bus on fire. You hated everybody.
2: <laughs>
3: and so fights were easy. And, and like I said, back then, you know, it, it, was, it was really cut and dry back in that league. It was one way or the other. You were either a tough guy or you could score 50 goals. And there was only two ways of getting out of that league, up to the IHL or the American League. And that was to do one or the other. And obviously, I wasn't going to be a goal scorer. So the fight and every team, like I said, had two or three guys like me. And we're all just kicking the shit out of each other every night, trying to be noticed, trying to get the leg up on the other guy and just hopefully get a tryout or a call up or whatnot. But, you know, the league itself, like I said, it was actually pretty good hockey. But it was um, it was definitely like the movie Slash Shot. There was just a lot of fights and, you know, every every other couple of games you'd find out some team brought in a new guy or oh, who's the new guy who's this guy who's that guy and uh and and no different for me when i came to carolina i was the new guy they had already played about a dozen games or so and uh you know the rest of the league uh you know guys are looking at chops trying to get at me because here's the fresh meat coming down <laughs> and uh so it was cool it was, it was i loved it like it's like if i was there to fight it wasn't like i had to fight it was Plenty of guys that didn't want to fight, but they did it just out of necessity to survive. But, you know, I mean, I, I'd cry myself to sleep if I won a game without a fight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you fight pretty much every game or was it every
3: other? Yeah, I, I, yep, I, uh, I think I missed about the first, uh, I don't know, I probably missed the first quarter of the season. Because I, I came to camp with Carolina uh, and I got cut. And they actually cut the kid. I, I, I fought a kid in camp and I got cut. <laughs> They kept that kid because he could actually play pretty good. And uh, and he had a little bit of an American League hockey experience. But when the season got rolling and, uh, you know, he was expected to do more fighting, yeah, he really wasn't. And they said, you know, I mean, we just can't keep you. So they got rid of him and they called me and they gave me a second chance at it. And uh, and I stayed the rest of the year. You know, I, I don't know how many games I played. I played like 30-something games. I think about I had 180 penalty minutes. I mean, it was just all fighting.
4: Um,
3: <laughs> My coach was really a good coach. We had a couple of coaches throughout the year, actually, in that one season I was there. The first guy I got canned, but they brought another guy in, and, and he was smart. He would put me on right at the stoppage of a play on a face-off or whatnot. He wouldn't put me in the flow of the play to kind of expose my skating, and he would just <laughs> let me line up next to guys. You know, I'd line up next to the guy he wants me to take out, and it was really cut and dry. And, and back in those days. So you could
1: have, let me let me you have just to fight
3: the game. Let great. me
1: pause you right there. You're you're lining up next to the guy you're looking to fight. What are you saying to him? Hey, just let's fucking go. Or hey, you're fucking hey you pussy. What you know? What are you chirping him? How how do you chirp him like that? I want to hear it. You know, a lot
3: of a lot of times you don't even have to chirp a guy because he knows why you're there.
1: Yeah. And, and <laughs> I know
3: why he's there. I mean, it, it, it's it's really that silly.
1: This guy parked uh, next to me. We're going.
3: Right. And, you know, a lot of times, as crazy as this sounds, I mean, people say, you know, the fights are staged. I mean, I, none of my fights are ever staged, so to speak. They weren't like hug fest and just for the fans or make it look good. But I can tell you that a lot of games before games, I'd, I'd shoot the shit with the guy that I was going to fight because, you know, <laughs> you you'd talk to the guy and say, You know, uh, hey, have you fought so-and-so on this team yet? What's he, a lefty or a righty? You know, you try to get the skinny on everyone throughout the league. But uh, a lot of times what I did, and I did it my first couple of dozen games down in the East Coast League uh, with the guys I never knew was I did the same thing during warm-ups. I'd skate during warm-ups. I'd stretch out on the red line, and then I'd chirp to the guy who I knew I was going to fight, and I'd say something like, hey, who's your heavyweight? (laughs) <laughs> now I know it's him. I know it's him, and he knows it's him. I'm just being a dick and just trying to just trying to get under his skin a little bit. So just little things like that.
4: Yeah. Um, Who is the dude you like to tangle with the most? You got somebody that uh, was a favorite to line up with?
3: You know, my job was really um, it was it was it was easy. It was forecasted. I only went after the heavyweights. You know, unless. Unless some middleweight or something was a real asshole to one of my skilled guys. Other than that, it was heavyweight against heavyweight. You know, I never tried to chase around, you know, someone that really wasn't a heavyweight
0: because that just wasn't my game.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't to ask- fight and beat somebody smaller anyways, I'd want to
0: let me ask you this, Dougie. The uh boxing to fighting in hockey, um I think I read a little bit or watched a YouTube video about how you um study Fighting in hockey and like the different techniques and where to grab the jerseys and how to grab the jerseys and pull it over the head and you know different ways to get punches in and block punches was that some kind of art that you had to pick up? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean there was a little bit of a science to
3: it because you you know I was always trying to be more of a defensive fighter at the beginning of a fight. I wanted to at least try to shut the guy down. Most guys couldn't throw with both hands. I could throw with both hands again from boxing. Uh, most guys you were either a lefty or a righty. And if I could shut down your right hand or your right arm uh, by getting a good grip on your bicep, um, you know I have a pretty good chance of getting something free and going with that. So, you know, again, like we said earlier, if I could kind of uh, do a little homework and figure out who I'm fighting that night and is he a lefty or righty, and then for the first couple seconds use defense to try to shut him down, and then go offense and get my own, you know hands-free and, and get fighting get throwing um that was kind of my angle you know Tritty, and again, how
1: were the game tapes back then
3: oh well, they sucked they were all like VHS. <laughs> <laughs> i i'm i'm in my i'm in my little office talking to you pozos and i got about 400 VHS tapes still on <laughs> the phone from like the 70s and 80s it's classic uh, <laughs> <or, laughs> that's how you did it that's how you did it because there was no youtube you know so it was yeah, all bhs yeah. and uh you know, like, especially like East Coast League hockey games were filmed from like the rafters of the building. So you needed like binoculars <laughs> to see who was fighting. But you can get a somewhat of an idea, you know. Sure. Sure.
0: Yep. <laughs> well, it seems like it worked out for you. You want to tell us a little bit about how you wrote your book and, and how that developed into a movie? You know, my buddy, uh, his name's Adam Fattazio, a kid that I grew up with in a neighborhood. Um,
3: he was the one that got me on the skates and he was the one that used to work with me on the pawns, balance. We'd drop our gloves and square off and, you know, he played college hockey. So he was a great, uh, hockey player and had fantastic balance and, you know, he'd, uh, you know, we'd wrestle, we'd grab each other, where to grab on the biceps. Like I said, where not to grab and stuff like that. And he kind of taught me the ropes and, uh, he'd be the guy that I'd call after games you know, I call him and say, hey, you know, I had two fights. I fought, you know, I fought Dennis Bonzi in the first period. And then I tried to chase around, you know, some other banana head. And it'd be like, you know, <laughs> he he'd love all the stories. And then, you know, when hockey was all over, you know, he said, you know, we really should write a book about your career. And I was like, listen, I barely made it through high school. I'm not writing a fucking book. Not like, <laughs> you know? So we kind of sat down and we kind of just in chronological order from beginning to end, and just kind of put something down, kind of like crayon on toilet paper, and we just kind of sure. made it work. And and we kind of peddled around, and, and you know, a book uh, publishing company read it, they liked it, and they said, you know what, we're gonna run with this. We're gonna we'll, we'll buy it, we'll we'll uh, publish it, and, and see what happens. And and the thing took off. It was really funny. The first year the book came out, it was insanity. We sold like thousands of copies, and it was actually on New York bestseller list for like one week, It made like top 10. It, it, Wayne Gretzky's book didn't even make top 10.
1: Wow. So, uh,
3: yeah, it was crazy. So we definitely had, it really spread like it was like an underground hockey fighting thing, which you all know, there's tons of websites for underground fighting and stuff Absolutely. like that. Yep. It just it just took off for some reason. And, uh, you know, and, and the movie, of course, uh, you know, long story short, the, the movie came about, Somebody on a, a, you know, they have like in Hollywood, they have like guys that specifically write, they write scripts They're on like a writing team. And uh, and this guy that is on a writing team was in the airport and he told me a story. He says, I was ready to get on my flight. I went in a place to get a, a newspaper and a drink and something. He says, I saw the cover of your book. And he said, as soon as I saw the cover and it, no one's seen the cover, it's a it, picture of my face with a big black eye. And it had just got the shit kicked out of me five minutes <laughs> earlier by Frank the animal by a Lois in the American <laughs> Hockey League. And uh, Adam, was at, Adam was at that game, he took a picture of my face like a second after the fight. So we made that the cover of the book. But anyway, the guy said, as soon as I saw the book and I saw the title going, he says I knew exactly what this was about. So I bought the book, I got in the airplane, I started reading it, by the time the airplane landed, I finished the book and I was on the phone calling my writing team saying, we have to write a movie about an enforcer because Hockey enforcers have been a part of the NHL and hockey itself forever. And yep. there's really no movies about, except maybe Slapshot. And they said, well, let, we should really try to make a movie about an enforcer. We can kind of use this ding book as a, like a you know backbone to it. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of how it took off.
1: So, Doug, right. you you also coached, right? And I, I don't remember exactly how you got into coaching and stuff, right? But, you know, can you explain a little bit how you coached? Didn't you coach? Uh, well, yep. tell, tell us a little bit about you. About your coaching experience.
3: I did coach. I coached uh, Hanover High School Hockey, which is the high school I graduated from, uh, again, the little uh, south of Boston. And, you know, it started off just going out, and uh, the head coach, his name was Jim Sylvia, and I used to ask him, can I come out and skate with you guys just for my own? I, I wanted to learn to skate better, and I was always looking for ice time. And he used to say, you know what, put your gear on, come on out and skate with us. You can do drills, you can carry the puck. you can we scrimmage a little bit, you know, and you can get better for your own hockey when you go to play. And then years later, when I finally was done, you know, being a traveling suitcase playing hockey, I, I kind of landed back with this guy and he said, you know, why don't you come on board and help me coach, you know, you can be my assistant and, you know, just kind of, I'll groom you, so to speak, and, yeah, you know, which is what he did. He kind of taught me how to be a coach. And, um, you know, he said, you know, the one thing you've got over all these kids is they can always look at you and say, look at how hard this guy, Doug, worked. And look what it brought him. And you guys have no excuse. You've been skating since you were little boys.
1: Yeah. And if he can yeah. do it, you
3: can do it. Yeah. So it was kind of like a, he kind of used me as like a little pawn, like a, like a tool, because I was a great example of success. It
1: worked, right? Yeah, it worked. Results
3: right. were there. So, uh, right? Right. So I uh, I ended up staying with this guy and I coached for uh, Hanover High School for 21 years. Uh, We won four or five state championships that were always held in the Boston Garden. And uh, I ended up getting into the uh, Massachusetts Hockey Hall of Fame as a
1: coach. Congratulations. (laughs) I I didn't know that. Congratulations. Yeah, definitely a pretty cool uh, achievement for sure for me.
2: And then you helped the Bruins, right, a little bit?
3: I did. I, uh, I I knew a couple of guys that were uh, involved with the Bruins organization. Um, at the time, it was Mike O'Connell. He was the GM, and I knew a handful of scouts. And uh, you know, the Bruins were one of those teams that were really starting to, um, back in the day, explore European hockey players and just for their skill. And um, and they were getting a lot of euros over here. And they were down in the American League in Providence, and and. They were just getting pushed around and beaten up. They just were European hockey players. What can you say? They weren't North America, nor Canada. And these guys said, you know what? Maybe we we'll get Doug out in the ice during practice and kind of teach them how to defend themselves. Not so much be fighters, but just, you know, when a scrum happens, which happens all the time, just, you know, if the gloves happen to come off, how do they hold on? What do they do? And And just kind of gain them a little confidence in their, you know, their ability to stand up and, and, and not take any shit and just be a man. And that's kind of how it all evolved. And, and honestly, it, it, uh, it took off really well because once I started working with these Euros on the team, uh, the guys that were fighters were looking over, watching me do these certain drills with them. And they were like, hey, that's what I do for a living. I want to work with this cat. And then I started working with the real fighters. And it just, I kind of forgot about the Euros and started working with just the fighters. But I stayed with the Bruins for about eight years, and I worked throughout the NHL for about six or seven different NHL teams for quite a while. I was, I was kind of a rare commodity. You know, there was no other teams in the NHL that had an employee like me doing what I did.
4: you the about today's NHL, Doug, as far as there's not really any enforcers left on the ice surface anymore. So what do you think about that?
3: Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, for me personally, it sucks. I mean, I enjoy a fight once in a while, and um, I know the game's changed dramatically over the years. Uh, the NHL, is, you know, the trickle down effect. They've they've tried to eliminate fighting and, and penalize people that fight with, you know, obviously more penalties, instigator, of course, and wearing a shield. And you know, they're doing everything they can to, you know, they say play safe and, and safety hockey. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, even the skilled guys, you know, the guy like Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin, and the you know, the real ballsy players of the world of skill will still say to you I I want a tough guy on my team I want a guy to go run some asshole that tries to fuck with me you know because I want a long career (laughs) and I want to make a lot of money and I want to win the Stanley Cup
4: yeah
3: if if you get guys running at Sidney Crosby all the time and no one's protecting them he's going to be out of the game years before he should be and he's going to get shortchanged
0: sure there's a, a lot of the fights now too we were talking about it a couple episodes ago it's like hug fest. You know, they grab onto each other and see who can pull each other to the ground first. And I want to see a fucking fight, man. You know, like 30 punches well, in 30 seconds.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my, my opinion on that is two opinions. Number one is those guys hug because they really don't know how to fight. And sure. number two, some of the guys that really do know how to fight kind of might want to hug a little more now because they don't want to get hurt and they want to stay in the league because they know it's a softer league and they don't have to fight so much. So they're kind of laughing. You know, they're saying, hey, you know, people aren't going to you know, they're not going to challenge me because they already know I'm a tough guy. So I'll just kind of play hockey and coast and make a nice paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: like it. But it is what you it know,
3: is. When, when you got like one or two dinosaurs in the game still, you know, like say like a Ryan Rebus or Adam McQuaid or, you know, I know this guy's kind of an asshole, but like Tom Wilson from Washington, whatever, <laughs> you know, you get got these guys that still want to play hard nose. No one's really standing up to these guys. So they kind of have a, you know, a free reign to do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, but which I, yeah. I kind of hope things like that. Right yeah, so with stuff like that, I mean, I hope like like a lot of things in life, everything goes in circles. Everything comes around in a cycle. Maybe maybe slowly, but surely people will start bringing back a kind of a tough guy. Maybe he can still play and have some skill. Not an outright goon, but just maybe they'll start bringing back a guy because someone in their division has a tough guy,
0: but they just can't get around him. Yeah, some of these marquee franchise players starting to get hurt might bring it back. Never know. Hey, do you have a... A charity you want to
3: plug tonight? You know, I do a lot of charity work to be honest with you You know, I try to help all people in my area. I, I feel so fortunate. And I, I don't want to sound You know kind of corny here, but I, again, I, I I'm humbled. I'm humbled by what has come into my life You know, just like I said by accident But uh, you know, I try to help out a lot of kids. You know, I'm involved with a lot of different cancer uh, programs around here that obviously, you know, it's, it's awful to see you know, children get struck with cancer. Um, but, you know, I, I'll do any benefit that people ask me to throw a, a helping hand in, you know, whether it's attending something or even just sending an autographed picture. You know, so I, I do have a lot of different uh, charities I'm involved with, in, but there's not one specific thing I can just throw out at you. But I appreciate, you, you know, giving me the opportunity to say that.
0: Do you have, like, a, a cop uh, hockey charity tournament or something like that? Uh,
3: I, I don't have one that I'm involved with, not on my Police department. Um, for those people that don't know, I'm actually a cop right now. Um, I, I work in a small town in Hanson, Massachusetts, which is again south of Boston. And, uh, you know, we do charity work, but we don't actually have a, a charity hockey team.
4: Well, all, all of us used to run from the cops quite a bit when we were younger. I would.
3: Oh, so didn't I? Thinking-
4: yeah, yeah, I would hate to probably run from you, though. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd want to, be, want to be dragged to the ground by you.
3: Every kid's safe on my time because I don't chase anybody. I'm too lazy. There
0: you go.
4: All right.
0: Call <laughs> for backup. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, Smitty, it's been great, man. Uh, this has been an awesome interview. I'm all fired up right now. Hopefully, I don't go punching people in my house when I get off the air. life. <laughs> It's a yeah, punching my life. <laughs> coming to my door. Your ass. <laughs> this has been cool, man. This is a really good interview for us. Usually, we're, we're talking to uh, you know, current players and coaches and stuff like that. It's kind of a nice change of pace, especially talking to an enforcer, somebody that uh, we can all admire and you know, wish we had the skills to, to fight like you for sure. And uh, it's been cool. You guys have any cool. before I let him go.
1: Thanks, Mitty. Thanks for coming out, no, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for your time.
3: Well, listen, I, I do appreciate your time, and like I said, I know we had a few laughs and a couple of jokes, but uh, you know, guys like you, you keep uh, the the hockey alive. Uh, you know, you, you try to bring back some memories of fighting, and, and it's cool. I, I dig it. Uh, you know, I wish the game hasn't changed so much. It just seems like it. It was like a light switch. It just the fighting is gone with a flick of a switch, and it's it's sad. You know, I know the hockey purists in the world never really liked hockey fighting. They probably always felt like it was was no need to be in our game. And, you know, other sports always question, why is there fighting in hockey and and it's allowed and there's no fighting in any other sport? And, you know, and and I do understand that. But, uh, again, it is part of our game and we've grown up on it. We've we've been allowed to police ourselves. And uh, I just, like I said earlier, I'm I'm grateful and fortunate. I got a little taste of it. I wasn't the best at it. But I, I accomplished a little bit of something on uh, very little time and very little skill. So again, I'm uh, I'm grateful for my opportunity and and thank you for you guys for having me on to be able to uh, relive it a
4: little bit. Yeah, no, listen, yeah. man. Listen, you're talking to four guys that would love to see that part of the game still exist. So uh, we grew we grew up playing uh, a pretty physical brand of hockey. So uh, we're definitely fans of that style of hockey. Yeah, that's cool. I love it.
1: Yeah, sorry. Just one thing, real quick. Pat, Pat, and I were talking before you got on. Probably just caught the end of it, but basically, it was a check. It, it, it was a player's way of checks and balances within the game itself. Absolutely. And you know that and, that, and that part worked. is missing. Yeah, it, uh, that that part it worked right, and it's missing now. I think.
3: I mean, I don't. I don't have like legitimate stats in front of me, but I, I've heard a lot of players even say that, you know, players today get hurt more with body checks and cheap shots and sticks and and whatnot than they actually did fighting. So, um, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, it kind of makes sense in a bit because, you know, if I'm getting run from behind by you and, and because you know that no one's on my bench to come after you and kick the shit out of you because of what you just did,
1: Mm -hmm. then
3: you're going to, you're going to do it and I'm going to get hurt. And now I'm out with concussion or whatever. But if you know that like there's a Doug Smith or, you know, there's a Bob Probert on the bench who's just, Gonna come out and paste you all over the place if you do something stupid like that, <laughs> and you just don't. You don't do it. Yeah. That. that's right. So, oh, yeah. know, having that insurance policy on the bench as as an enforcer or, or a guy that's willing to drop his gloves and defend his teammates, you know that that insurance policy isn't around anymore, and that's a shame. Yeah, we
1: were exactly. we were saying, you know, they they budgeted that into uh, the lineup. You know, you were you said that they were willing to waste a, a space. For an enforcer, right. but you know they actually planned that. They were putting that person in the line to a, as the insurance uh check on you know those good players. So of
0: course,
1: of course. different game, different game. Yeah, push you so off. Many,
0: Where can the listeners find your book? Are you on Amazon or where's a good spot to? So
3: for, I have uh, I, I believe both editions are still available on Amazon. You know the movies and stuff on DVDs and stuff like that. They're easy to find. Um, you know people that want to reach out to me i'm on facebook i'm on instagram i mean i'm you know i'm under doug smith or douglas smith or you can google my name you know doug smith hockey or doug smith goon you know and i love interacting <laughs> with people you know on on facebook and, and shit like that so i'm easy to find great great awesome, awesome.
2: thanks Smitty, man Go I really so appreciate much. your time <laughs>
3: okay boys thanks for having me i, I, I do appreciate your time too
1: Hey, yeah. you, you be safe tonight on the beat.
3: Yeah. I bet I will be. Okay. Be
1: get get home safe. Thanks, pal. Okay. Thanks, pal. Yeah. All right. See you, Bye Doug. for now. Bye. Bye bye. Doug Smith fellas. Wow. Good interview there, fellas. Yeah, that was that was super cool. Yeah, yeah he's no. a crazy.
2: Crazy guy, you know, just to uh never even skate. All the way up through high school, and then uh, all of a sudden, just decided
1: he was going to put skates on, and and eh, maybe I'll play some professional hockey.
2: Crazy, little frustrating,
1: but at the same time, it's you know, it's a great story. I mean, it's super cool. You know, the like I said, most of us tried for twenty years and never even got a chance. So,
0: the uh, the cover of his book and. He was talking about where he got his face beat up a little bit. Pat sent a link out. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it, but it was the uh, the first fight that he sent. And that was a good brawl. And, you know, we talk about the, the hug fest now and the bullshit like that. And if you watch that fight, that was, like I said, 30 punches, 30 seconds both ways. I mean, guys just throwing, not even knowing if they're landing them, just throwing them as fast as they can. And you don't see that shit anymore. But I can uh, understand why his face was pretty beat up.
2: Yeah. Like Rob was talking to Smitty just a second ago. And what we were talking about earlier is that, you know, it is an insurance policy and, and Smitty was saying, you know, something that a lot of the the haters who say, why is there fighting in hockey? It's because of that. Yeah. You, you can have someone go out there and run Sidney Crosby into the boards and they get a two minute, maybe a four minute major. And then they're right back on the ice. Well, that's fine, but you need that enforcer out there to kind of police players. So it's a policing of the own players. And, you know, we still get it a little bit. You get the face, you get your face wash. You get, you know, shoved around a little bit. And, yeah, there is some fights. But uh, there's not any brawls anymore where there there's blood. I mean, a couple of the videos I saw of Smitty, he was out on the ice and his fucking jersey was just, full of blood and you don't see that anymore. And when we were younger, you did see it a little bit, but, uh, that was an awesome interview. What a great guy.
4: Yeah. You don't see a lot of the, uh, like just lining up on a face off anymore, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it's just like puck drops and then the gloves drop, you know, so yeah. you don't, you don't see that much anymore. So that, that's kind of what's, uh, that's kind of what's missing, but it's, it's cool, man. I, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, I always think about this, what like kind of separated hockey from every other sport, you know, it was like, you always are kinda of worried somebody's looking over your shoulder. He couldn't couldn't go out there and cheap shot anybody because some big bastard on the other on the other bench is gonna come keep you in check. But That's uh, why hockey players are respected. Yeah, yeah.
1: Look, yeah, I, sure. I I mean I, I thought as you know, taking it back to Canton, I, I thought we had a lot of success because we were fucking hard nosed bruisers from the first line to the third line. You never knew who was gonna step up and fucking rock somebody, and yeah. as soon as that happened, you knew that game changed. You knew it changed because they were looking over their shoulder, and they didn't know who the next person was coming to fucking roll tide. So for for me, I just I don't know anything different really um, in a in a hockey situation. I don't,
4: yeah. I, that's the when I look back at playing hockey, you know, it's that's what I miss the most. I mean, you can't and you can't even get that like what you're doing right now, Rob, what I all of us used to do with playing in those you know NHL and beer leagues. Like, you don't get that physicality like you used to, you know. That's I I even miss getting fucking wrecked. You know what I mean? Like, I I used to like the feeling of getting fucking smoked, you know. But uh, it it was better handing out the handing out the hits, but obviously, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's a little bit. Sounds stupid to some people, but you know you miss that physicality. At least I do, anyways. But that was when you got, snot knocked out of you. you got the you got the snot out. Knocked out of you. Absolutely. Well,
1: Absolutely.
0: Marky
4: Morley knocked the snot out of me. I mentioned that earlier. He probably <laughs> one of the hardest ever took in my life. Is where we by the guy we were on his, a, I mean, well
1: competitive games. at the time. You know, look, you maintained that it was a cheap shot, but we were so competitive that in practice, I broke your fucking arm. Yeah. <laughs> You okay. know, and, and I actually Great. broke somebody else's collarbone. We fucking put that hard at each other because in the games, man, we were fucking going to battle. You know, it was Absolutely. just, we were going to war, and we weren't going to lose.
4: We weren't making but any snowflakes back then, were we Pete?
1: No, we were not. And I, like I said, the game has changed, and, and I just don't know any different. I don't know whether it's right, wrong, or what, but um, I got it. it's not the game I know.
0: I got a question for you guys. Uh, NHL Network's been running Youngblood young for the last like week or two. See that, I see and, that. Uh, I had to watch it. It's been you a know, childhood movie. Mind. So I ended up watching this this friggin' movie again. And they were, the girl used to be hot when I was a kid, but she's not hot. So things have changed there, too. <laughs> but So at the end of the, uh, the, end coach's of the movie. Coach's daughter. Yeah, the coach's daughter, right? So at the end of the movie, Racky um, and Youngblood yeah. are going to fight. What the fuck is the deal with the sticks, right? They both have their sticks like pointing at each Cover other's face. Like, like he's like get a stick out of his hands. Get a stick out of his hands. What the fuck is that? Like when did they happen? ever hold their stick and not drop their gloves? I don't is that like just a Hollywood bullshit from that yeah, movie is that, is it, like, No,
2: no actually like in the 70s if you look at some old school like uh, Bruins Montreal they would actually, like, take their sticks and kind of hit each other. Like, that was, like, the foreplay. And then then eventually they would uh, drop it. But, yeah, they would, like, turn their blades into, like, the hook or whatever and, like, kind of – I don't think they intentionally would try to hurt each other, but it was, like, the sticks for a little while, and then they would drop them and go at it. So um, they kind of mimicked that. But uh, it was never – never a big part of it but they actually did back in the nhl would use their sticks a little bit yeah i was wondering
4: what the hell that was about you boys remember uh playing sergi's hockey back in the day and we back was on the team and we were i think we were playing tons or something pine street arena and somebody fucked with him and he swung his stick so goddamn hard he missed the guy's head i think you'd to get in a fight <laughs> with him he swung his stick so hard out but missed the guy's head by like an inch i was like I'm on the bench thinking Good Lord, thank God he missed that guy but yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that's uh maybe the jousting was something back in the day, but I don't remember that.
2: <laughs> good old Woody.
4: Ah.
0: Good, good interview, guys. That was uh that was a, a good episode for us to to have on the Blue Line Hockey Club. But W Smith, uh, very funny guy, and uh definitely has the balls to fight, so
2: the Buffalo but, uh, Sabres. Yeah, yeah I mean some- Whoa.
1: his is pretty fucking pretty cool anyways but yeah let's go buffalo <laughs>
0: That's yeah. you, baby when's this happen i mean i talked talked about skinner last week he's kept it going scored a game winner the other night
1: well to me they they've got a challenge tomorrow they're they're going to play tampa bay in tampa 7:30 uh, puck drop and you know look they're on a 10 game win streak which is tied the history they win tomorrow in tampa to me that proves it it's one verse three you know that's going to be a fucking game they're, they're they're going to war and if they can come out victorious you know i'll be a little bit more confident but um you know a little bit of perspective we're we're 25 games into a long season
4: no man 10 straight in the nhl that's that's not a fluke you nope, know, that's, no you no you, re- you got reason to believe buddy you got reason to believe you're like uh, you know, you're like me, like as like a you know Chiefs fan of the NFL, like you're, you're like gun shy, like your team does well, and you're like, fuck. So, something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, something. Yeah, you don't want to jinx them. Yeah, like ten games straight, that's that's less legit. Well,
2: that whole Atlantic Conference, I mean, you got Buffalo, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Montreal, um, you know, Detroit, Ottawa, and Florida. They're kind of down, staying down there. Just those three are kind of staying in the bottom, but um, man. I, that, uh, you know, conference is great to watch with Buffalo. Like I said, Buffalo, Tampa, and Toronto. Toronto's finally got uh, AMATS back, so uh, we'll see that go up and down. But, um, yeah, Rob, I mean, tomorrow night, Buffalo, Tampa for the Atlantic. Um, yeah, I, I a, said
1: one and three. That's in the league. In the division, it's one versus two. So, I mean,
2: yeah, yeah. it's tight. Yeah, in the league. Yeah, it's tight. No, I was just going
0: to say, Pat, you mentioned Austin Matthews. Um, you know, why we're on the show tonight, he's uh, had a power play goal and he had an assist to Tavares. So two points for him in his first game back. So he's not wasting any time there in Toronto. He's trying to catch up here, get back yeah. in the points leaders.
2: What's up with Nylander? That's a big story, you know. He's uh, still working out in Europe, uh, playing over there. Uh, he has until Saturday, this Saturday. 5 p.m. Eastern to sign or else he won't be able to play in the NHL. Um, Some people say that, well, Babcox is saying that he's pretty sure that he'll be back with uh, Toronto, but uh, Elliot Friedman, um, who's a pretty big source in the NHL, I'm sure most of the listeners know who that is, he's heard something that he might accept a six-year, $6.9 million a year contract, and it's not coming from Toronto. So, This Saturday is going to be uh, pretty big uh, news to see where Nylander goes. And it's not like Nylander is just some average Joe, like the uh, Dylan Storm uh, trade there with uh, Arizona, which we'll get into. But um, he's got – last year he had 20 goals and 41 assists. And then he had uh, four points. Yeah, I mean, so it's not like he's just some uh, third and fourth liner. He can uh, produce, so – it's going to be, uh, if he goes somewhere, it's going to be, that's kind of weird. What do you guys think about that?
0: I think it's coming down to the Leafs to just cap space, you know, like we talked about with Marner, you know, he's going to be coming up on a on a contract too. And, you know, they've got so many good forwards right now. Where do they spend their money? So who do yeah. they get? They're going to have to get rid of somebody. They signed him to a big deal this year. You know, if they have the cap space to even sign him. Hey, who's going next year you know Austin awesome matthews hasn't signed his big deal yet right the end of this right, year not yet. so once they they know they have to sign him so definitely what are they going to do you know they're going to have to get rid of somebody at the end of the year anyway so i don't know if they sign him to to have him to trade next year
2: and needlander's thinking of this you know his his uh camp's thinking the same thing you know just what we said talk about a matt hasn't signed his big contract so he's thinking the same thing it's all about money right if someone's willing to give him seven million dollars a year, and um, someone was saying that uh, I think it was Bob McKenzie said something that it was shy of three hundred thousand dollars is what they were fighting over. But uh, so to me, three hundred thousand is, you know, I guess they I guess they negotiated and neither one's willing to budge, according to Bob McKenzie, and the difference is three hundred thousand. But Friedman's saying that he's got an offer at almost seven million dollars a year for. And they're going to lock them in for six years, so forty-two million dollars. Um, you know, yeah, it'd be great to win a cup, but uh, money talks.
4: Uh, you got Tavares and and Matthews already locking up a lot of money. So like like I'm sorry, like Mark's saying, you know, it's cap stuff. You know, you can't you can't keep too many top heavy guys. You got to kind of mix it in with some with some mid tier players too. So you can't just keep giving massive contracts. So
2: yeah, so it's bound to happen, right? Yeah, the leading scorer on the team
0: is, is Marner, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure points wise, yeah, I know gold wise, but, um, you know, he, where's his contract come into this? You've got two franchise guys. You're going to have to sign Matthews and JT signed. You know, where where are you going to go, right? So uh, I don't see him staying in Toronto. I just don't think the money's there. And for him, he's going to go where the money is in a long term contract. He could get hurt next year, but as long as he's got a six year deal,
4: you know, he's not worried about it. Yeah. Exactly. Where
2: do you think he's going? I don't know. I think I heard someone, I think it was the Islanders or something were looking at him. Um, I forget what it was. I did see that uh, St. Louis is interested in Jimmy Howard. Jimmy Howard's a North Country boy. Um, they sent St. Louis sent some scouts over to his last game to check him out, but uh, the Blues don't have much to offer besides a couple of their uh, work-in-progress players, so... Um, they might have to go somewhere else. I guess Cam Talbot of Edmonton's on the chopping block. So uh, St. Louis might go there. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy Howard. St. Yeah, he's in the
0: last year of his uh, $6 million a year contract with Detroit. This is his last uh, year in that contract. I think he's 35 or 36 years old now. So this is probably going to be the last contract he signs in his career. You know, might be a year-to-year contract with him. So we'll see what happens. I watched the game the other day. They pulled him after the first, and uh, they had scored three goals on him in the first. They pulled him out, and then Jonathan Boehner, how do you say his name?
2: Yeah, close enough.
0: He he let yeah. in three goals. They ended up The game ended up uh, 7-4. So, I mean, they pulled Howard, but they didn't get much help. It's just that team doesn't have a lot of depth on defense, and they get pounded every game. So, you know, every game they win comes down to goaltending, I think, with, with the wings right now. <laughs> They're just yeah. you know, not a strong team, so those goaltenders are really fighting in there.
1: Mark Marner is uh, tied for three with 33 points, 27 assists.
2: Yeah, Tavares is up there in points, I think, right? And then uh, Ratn in the first in the league and, with 40 points. Oh, yeah.
1: Ratnan is first in the league. Yep, and then McKinnon. Nate McKinnon, yeah. Connor yeah. McDavid takes uh, third with you know three others. Nikita.
0: Matthews
4: has got a power play goal tonight, boys. Does he? Yeah.
0: He's back in the and next. And a power play assist on Tavares' goal too. So Derek, uh, I think everybody see McDavid go coast to coast. I mean, he probably
4: yeah, doesn't already.
1: Know. Was that a recent video that you sent around, Derek?
4: Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty recent. recent.
1: Yeah. Was it Monday night? Well, I was watching that. it.
0: You don't even have to like look at the number really to see who it is. It just
1: no, you're right. Just floating,
0: man. He's just Eight. floating. It's, it, it's
1: weird he's so fast but he like moves the puck out into space and then catches up to it and it's it just looks like like you said he's gliding he,
4: he looks, yeah it's like effortless he just kind of you know his like a lot of people look like they're working a lot harder to go fast you know he's just kind of out there just gliding around like i don't know i think i said to you guys earlier on that group message it looks like he's you know dancing around the tri-town c-team out there but he's fucking yeah. playing in the NHL. it's ridiculous guy i don't know i don't know they said that
2: there was a story about him and uh, i was reading somewhere that his parents um you know when he was playing and i forget where he played in canada but uh they lied and said he was seven when he was actually six and he was still out there schooling the best player um on the team all the tournaments and everything and uh just ripped it up. And uh, they actually for him to continue playing with the kids older than him, he had to skip a grade. So he had to work hard in school just in order to skip a grade to play up with uh, these players older than him. But uh, his dad made some, I guess, like really intense set of goals and uh, he was mature enough. Everyone said at a young age, he was mature and just worked so hard at hockey in school. Um, that's why where he is now. But uh, yeah, he's just—he's on another level out there. He's just like if there was a higher level than the NHL, he would be the top player to go there. No doubt. Uh,
1: I think it's worth pointing out, guys. Patrick Lane had that fucking five goal game. I mean,
2: for Winnipeg.
1: The Amish
2: uh, is Amish Assassin.
1: <laughs> the Amish Assassin, yeah. I mean, he went from fourteen goals to the top of the fucking list <laughs> in one game. He's tied with Pasternick, Skinner, and in Lane. So Boston, Buffalo, and and now Winnipeg are on the top of that goals. Yep. Wow. The Rangers Five are goals in a
0: game. That's crazy, crazy huh?
1: huh? Yeah, unheard of.
0: You're playing well, the Blue Jackets. I watched them play the I think it was the Rangers the other night.
1: Columbus um, was a surprise for me. I I mean I didn't realize they were gonna be that that competitive. Is there Cap-
0: the Captain Felino? Is he related to the Felino on the Wild?
2: I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not really sure on that. But yeah, they're right behind Washington, um, you know, second in the Metropolitan with, you know, Derek and Mark's Rangers, which is a whole other conversation. Like who thought even Quinn in the hockey community, who the fuck thought the Rangers would be where they are now?
1: Yeah. They're coming on strong. Yeah. They're making a comeback.
2: Out the media tonight watching the Rangers
0: was uh, Zabenedjad. He um, he is a good player, man. He he was a playmaker. He's he's fast as shit. He hustles. He works hard. He grinds in the corners, and he gets the puck on net. And um, you know I haven't had a chance to put, watch him play a ton, but he was the guy that when he was on the ice he was making things happen for the Rangers. And uh, I think that he's going to be a, a big part of what happens with the Rangers this season.
4: Yeah. yeah. He's like second on the team in goals. I think I'm not sure what he is in overall points and stuff like that, but I think he's got eight goals. Kreider's leading the way with 13 goals. So, I mean, and VC's up there too, but uh, Rangers are definitely a surprise, man. I think you guys remember though, at the beginning of the year, I thought, you know, they'd have a chance to kind of surprise people. Cause I think you get a good young squad and Quinn knows how to coach those young guys too. So, it's been a pleasant surprise for me anyways but um it, it's it's pretty neat to see the nhl is definitely you know grooming itself to a you know a young man's game now um and it's 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 pretty cool it's pretty cool to see and quinter he's doing a hell of a job leading the way yeah
1: so uh, did you- Columbus,
4: Columbus though too you know go back to the Blue Jackets so you know they got Tortorella as the, as the head man there he's he always leads a fiery squad he's you know he's got a I think he's had some fights on the bench, you know, like trying to reach over and fight other coaches and stuff in the past. So, his he teams really like off. Yeah,
1: he had a Stanley Cup with uh, Tur- uh, Toronto with Tampa Bay, right?
4: Yeah, ex yes. Rangers coach too. Yep.
1: Yep.
2: Yep. Pat, did um, you catch the,
0: game the other night with the uh, Caps and the Islanders? Barry Trotz playing against the, the Caps for the first time.
2: I, yeah, I did watch. Uh, it was uh, pretty pretty close game i didn't really catch the end something happened and i had to get up and take off i don't know how it ended up but uh yeah i watched a little bit of that um it was even going in to the third period i believe but uh not 100 percent how it ended up but uh one other thing i wanted to say was that uh the big news was that uh arizona traded with um strome Strom for nick smaltz and uh perlini i think that's how you say his name but anyways i wanted to get to Strom. Strom was the third round pick so connor i was there when he got picked it was a 2015 nhl draft in uh florida panthers arena i was there connor mcdavid went first jack eichel went second and then Strom. Strom. and and uh couple players that went after him was, you know, the leading scorer of the NHL playing for Colorado, Miko Ratnan, Brock Bosner, Noah Hannafin, all these players that uh, went after him. And I think Arizona just was, you know, kind of upset that they, you know, missed out on all these guys and picked him. And uh, he hasn't really done too much for Arizona. So uh, that was big news in the NHL. I think they wanted to get rid of him. And uh, the other guy for uh, Smoltz, why his uh, value was still up there? And Smoltz has been doing pretty well. They he actually did well with uh, um, Arizona beating Minnesota the other night, which was uh, Mark. You watched that game, which yeah, they came, they bullshit. came back in the third, and uh, yeah,
0: that was fucked up. Minnesota pounded them. They're pounding them the first and the second. Man, they, um, Arizona had one shot on goal in the second period, and then yeah. they came in came in in the
4: Third and found him three goals in a row. I think. You think that draft was the last time that the Florida rink was full?
2: <laughs> it, it was full, oh, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah.
0: But man, you watch a game there, and it's like you look into the stands, you're like Jesus, how do they even keep that team there? I mean, there's probably a quarter of the
4: people there.
2: Oh, it's right. a beautiful it's a beautiful rink too. It really
4: it's, is. They probably got the guys, the homeless guys out. That are washing your windshield when you pull up the stop signs, handing out tickets now down there.
2: Oh, I'm sure. I don't know how they're going to get players in there. How How do get fans in there? I mean,
0: one of the things that helps them out, and we really talk about it too much, is revenue sharing. Um, that was a big yeah. thing with uh, like baseball and football. Really started revenue sharing and just brings some parity into the league because if you, there's no revenue sharing between the top and the bottom, uh, um, you know the top teams like the Yankees or the Yankees baseball is like the the last group to do it and um you know the Yankees would win every year or, you know the Dodgers or whoever it would be the teams with money could afford the players and they were always good so you know when the NFL started doing it and they're like Jesus the NFL is like every game's pretty good the games are close other uh top four leagues looked at it and said Jesus we need to do this you know because it's healthy for the league because no one wants to watch a game against the Florida Panthers if the game's going to be a blowout you know and for the health of the league they need those teams to uh you know, keep those markets. So I think that's a good thing for all the sports leagues. Just share the money a little bit because you know, some of the markets uh, struggle sometimes.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, on top, what Rob said tomorrow, the uh, Tampa Bay and Sabers playing on Saturday hockey night in Canada. CBC Channel Four up where we're from. Minnesota Wild versus the Maple Leafs. Big game. <laughs> wow! All four of us will be watching that. Oh, yeah. Texting, yes, drinking, so that's going to be a big game, so everyone watch that. Can't wait for that to see Greenway match up with uh, AMAT.
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Oh, boys from, from the uh, NTDP. <clears throat> yep. NTDP.
0: So you got uh, you got know, Jordan Greenway playing with Felino now um, and Erickson Eck, right? So he took Coyle off and put him on the first line with Koivu uh, and actually they moved uh, Niederreiter off that line to put Coil up there, and they put Niederreiter on the fourth line, yeah. which I think he should have got to, should have gone to the third and played with uh, Ericssonek and and Greenway. You know, I don't think Foligno is the guy um, should be on the third line. I don't think he has the skill. He's a hard-nosed player. He's a tough guy. He's a grinder, but I don't know if he's got the skill. I think somebody else needs to get put on that line to help out Ericssonek and Greenway. What are your thoughts on that, Pat? Yeah.
2: I they they're just both Eck and uh Greenway are hard nosed players. They don't shoot too much and Felino's the same. So they need someone that shoots. So someone's gonna have to step up and take shots on that because neither of those three guys will shoot. I mean they're gonna have to now and I think I talked to Jordan, he said, you know, he's been he's got the okay to, you know, fire away at the net, but that's not really his forte. But um yeah, th- Woodrow, he switches the lines around. You never know what the fuck's going to happen um, shift to shift. But uh, um,
1: That <laughs> fat bastard. I think the top
0: line is
2: the uh, Zucker
0: Zucker line with uh, Small Zucker and, and uh, Grandlin. Grandlin. Yeah, I think that's their top line, even though it's the second line. I think that's probably their strongest line. Prise's pretty good. I mean, he scores here and there. But as far as production-wise and to watch the, the guys play, I like that line better than the coil. Koi Boos breezy,
4: I'm sure. Yeah. Are you guys kind of amazed, though? Like, you look at some of these fucking coaches in the NHL that are so out of shape and just fat fucks like Boudreaux, and he, you know, it's like, if you're sitting on the bench and he's like, you guys need to fucking skate harder, don't you feel like you turn around and be like, what the fuck are you talking about, you fat fuck? You know what I mean? I I don't know. I mean, like, you look, you can look at a guy like, you know, Quinn coaching the Rangers, and he's telling you to skate your ass off. You look at him, and you're like, all right, yeah I mean I can kind of understand where it's coming from from him but I don't know I, I always have a hard time understanding like how how coaches like that like lead these elite athletes you know but it, it is yeah. what it is I guess I, I don't I don't know I it's
2: mean, like a fat trainer teaching you how to lose weight yeah
4: yeah every
0: gym teacher you ever had in high school
4: is to fucking 400 pounds you guys think we'll get Boudreaux to come on this show ever uh, I don't know I
2: If
1: he comes on, on, I'm going to chirp him the whole time.
2: Every time he does an interview that after game or post, before game or post game, he's always like spitting or chewing on like leftover bacon in his mouth.
1: That makes sense. Burping up the cud and fucking second. I like him
0: to change the power play up too. I mean, if you've watched any of the wild games, uh, the power play pretty much consists of two defensemen in the first line and Mm -hmm. the next power play is two defensemen in the second line. It's like Where's the creativity here? I mean, you're yeah. just putting out lines. Like, what the hell? Put on a power play. You know, mix it up. They're Pick winning up. though.
4: They're winning though. So as much shit as we're giving this guy, you know, I mean, they they win. Yeah, plus
0: two though. So I mean, I'd like to see a lot of the other teams now are going to four forwards and put Dumba on the on the back with uh, you know possibly Koyvoo or somebody like that on the back, and um, you know your three best forwards up front. You know, a little more firepower uh Dumba's got a laser of a shot and he rips it all the time so i'd like to see him try to switch it up a little bit um get away from just going with structured lines first line second line and you know suitor
2: suitor so boring to watch
0: yeah exactly and they got him out there in the power i don't think he should be there but you know that's why we're on a podcast and we're not 300 pounds coaching
2: morley so you,
1: well. you know look that's the kind of thinking uh, look at the fucking chicago blackhawks just got rid of joel quenville for a fucking thirty-three year old. So thirty-three fuck, year old. Your idea might be completely valid, and maybe you should be coaching the fucking Minnesota Wild. He well, I'm
2: not going to go there,
0: but he can't I coach like some creativity because their power play, I mean, they could be better. I mean, they're not scoring a lot in their power play. So their kill's pretty good. Um they have Felino out there and fair on their power or power play that, kill. And I think it's one of the best in the league.
2: Yeah,
4: um, one of the, best.
0: the end of the league end of the game the other night, they were down by one. Uh, they pulled the a goalie. They put Greenway in there. It was nice to see that they put him out in front of the net with the six on five. So they're finally giving him a little bit of a look on the, the man advantage. Um, that was a little bit something different. They haven't tried yet. So maybe we'll see some changes coming coming up in the next couple of games.
2: Saturday.
0: big and game.
1: Is.
0: Yeah, lots of going on, man. Buffalo in the top of the food chain here. I mean, that's big news. I don't know what's going on with McAvoy. I'd like to see him get back in the lineup. Um you know he's been out for quite a while. One of the teams that we don't talk about too much is the the fucking Predators. Man, they're still up on the top of the West, thirty five points. I mean, they're they're doing it every night.
1: Well, they got uh, what? Still a twenty two uh, differential. I mean, they're fucking putting up points, right?
2: Yeah, plus twenty two. Really still doing fine with all their injuries. So you got uh, Bergeron's coming back, and then Millar just oh, took out too, right? Millar. Charizard Millar took a fucking puck to the larynx. Fucking his neck. That's bruised. Suck it up. Bet they're yeah.
0: wishing to trade off their uh, sixth defenseman to the Rangers at the beginning of the season, though. He
2: should have had his neck guard on.
0: Hey,
2: should fine. call up
1: Matt Lashoff and get him back on there. Yeah.
0: Hey, a uh, little shout-out to some of the Blue Line Hockey Club guys. Uh, Brady Kachuk, two goals last night. Um, McKenna got the win the other night. He's... Still playing up in uh, Ottawa on the off nights for them for Anderson. Bogosian
2: but, had a goal and then an assist like two games ago.
0: Yeah, that's good to see a uh, young kid. I know we talked about it. I think right when he decided to leave college, and uh, we all had our little opinion on whether Brady Kachuk was going to be a player or not. And I think back then I said that I thought he'd be decent because Ottawa needed players. You know, they were a down year. And uh, he's been fitting right in with Mark Stone, veteran up there. So I think it's been pretty good season for Brady so far. He was injured he, for a little. He's
4: proven, he's proven to be the real deal. No, that, no yeah. doubt about it. He, he's uh,
1: tough uh, to back. He uh, yeah, so he's yeah. Cool. I <laughs> I like that. Yeah, he's a
0: scrapper up there.
1: Yeah, he. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the one fight I saw, he he did pretty well. He fucking landed some punches. Good for him.
4: Yeah. Him and his brother, you know, Matt out in Calgary, they play with it they play with some grit that's come straight from that comes right from Pops, no doubt about it. That's the old sure. Kachuk way of playing, no doubt. Well you guys, one, one thing we did
0: not touch on real quick, guys, uh,
4: Ron Hextall
0: getting booted.
2: I saw that. See ya I see well, uh the
0: bottom yeah. of the barrel right now, so
2: the former GM of the wild, Chuck Fletcher He's uh, the top candidate for uh, that job. But uh, just the last game, and then uh, we'll let it go on that. But uh, last game, I don't know if anyone saw the Wild versus Winnipeg. There was a bench brawl. Um, Bufflin was going after Greenway. And then at the end of the game, <clears throat> Greenway was out there again. And uh, 12 seconds, I think, left. Kind of You couldn't see it. The screen went off the two, but uh, the ref got in between each other. And uh, I guess I... I talked to him, and Buffalo called uh, Greenway a chicken shit. But uh, oh, boy. it's, it's going to be a good match. I think uh, Jordan says he's going to have to get a fight under his belt before he drops him with him. But uh, I think you'll see that eventually.
0: Yeah, that it's, it's not a person you want to have your first fight with, that's for sure. You know, pick up Brady Quinn in the next game or something. <laughs> right. fight, a, fight a forward, you know, that's usually – a a Good out, you know, if you're forward fighting another forward, they're usually not as tough as some of the big bad defensemen in the league um, That are known for dropping a glove. So that might be a better option for him at this point
4: Well, you yeah, know there. you look at it the other way and just fight the biggest fucker in the room, right? Yep. Yeah. Hey,
1: you get a lot of credit for fucking not wasting your time on the first three small guys and going straight to the biggest fucker in the room
2: Bagosian right. first, first fight was Donald Brashear, so. Oh, boy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Bogosian's a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, a big boy. A lot of news. A lot of news in the NHL, guys. It's uh, turned out to be a pretty cool season. It's, you know, a lot of the teams we thought were going to be at the top are at the bottom and, and vice versa. So we've got a lot of games left to play. We're 23, 24, 25 games in for respectively for the teams right now. So I guess what's that maybe uh, – third of the season almost a third of the season so we're starting to get into the meat of the middle of the season right now and some of the teams are going to prove themselves in the next uh, month here over the Christmas break
2: let's so, bring that Stanley Cup to be- between the buns Bots oh to yeah that's wild <laughs> be the biggest party I've ever been to oh Jesus so you in the top of that go ahead <laughs> <laughs> you so, think yeah, you're yeah. Gonna have the first kilo in that Holy. That's probably happened. Well, well that's it. the guy that carries the cup around. Has there ever been a kilo in that? <laughs> no lie. As Don't
0: a, lie. you're how's your so, mama how's your mama Well fellas, that was a great interview too with Dougie, Dougie Smith, uh, the enforcer, the goon. Get out there and check out his book. Um, get online, read it, check out the movie, uh, great story. Both and movies. also two four hockey. We haven't mentioned them yet tonight. Uh, get on 24hockey.us, 24hockey.ca. Pat, give us a promo code for that for November.
2: November still 15% off. That's 11BLHC, 15 off. That's a 11BLHC, 15 <laughs> off. That's 15% off your entire order.
0: So get on there. Christmas is coming. Great gear for your hockey fans and your family. All right.
1: Wear the culture.
0: So, right Till next time, folks, keep your stick on the ice.
2: Tee-ya! Keep yeah. that up. Meow. Meow. Meow.